Hey, this is our last Breaking Bad podcast. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. It's an, it's an enduring classic, Blue Gal. We might have to revisit it over and over again. Well, Cul- Cultural metaphor. That's, I, I, I don't think we've seen the last of Walter White on our podcast because no. he is now part of the, uh, I don't want to say, zeitgeist isn't the right word. The no. lexicon. Yeah, the canon. The canon of, of great literature. So of, of stuff you must know to be able to carry on a grown-up conversation. Be, to be literate, yes. It used to be Shakespeare in the Bible, and now it's... Cultural literacy. Exactly. Yeah. That's and it. It's, and it's, and, and well-deserved. Well-deserved. Except I didn't like this last episode very much. It wasn't oh. my favorite. Oh, I see. <laughs> We're going there, are we? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm just saying... Remember what I, happened? To, remember what happened to, to Gus Fring's guy? So, just saying, <laughs> just saying. Yeah. See. Yeah. Don't mess with me. No, I I agree with Emily Nussbaum at the New Yorker who said that she thought that the series should have ended after he's lying dead in. And by the way, spoilers, everybody. Yeah, lots spoilers. of spoilers. Everybody, turn it off. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers, spoilers. He's lying. Walter's lying dead in the lab. Which I mean, on its own terms, this was a good episode. I get. I, I respect Vince for, um, see, I'm on a first name basis. With yeah. Vince Vinny. Now. Vinny. Vinny and me, baby. Vinny yeah. and me. Vince Gill- I respect Vince Gilligan for respecting his fan base. Yes. And not screwing with them. Right. In terms of making it, oh, you know, actually he's an outer space man and you, you're not allowed to know how it ends for anybody because right. it's in my mind. You know, yeah, no, he didn't have to go there. He didn't have to do Twin Peaks or Lost or no. even The Sopranos. He didn't. And he wasn't nasty to any of those in the interviews. I, I liked how he said, you know, I like the ending of The Sopranos, but I didn't want to go in that direction. Yeah. But Emily Nussbaum at The New Yorker suggested that when Walter is dying or dead at in this shrine of a lab, which is, yes. let's face it, this is heaven for, for him. Yes. Walter. He dies in heaven. He does. Uh, that having another scene where actually they fade to him being dead in the frozen car at the beginning of the episode, and this was his fantasy. Yes. That that didn't come true. His dying brain fantasy. His dying brain fantasy that everything worked out to his desire. He was able uh, to put right certain things. Put right everything that he could. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it, it it wasn't the newsroom. <laughs> yeah. It, it wasn't God. the happy story puppy time ending of the newsroom that was completely unbelievable. Right. Uh, you could see him doing this. And I really saw Walter White as a ghost in this yeah. episode anyway. You mentioned that. Uh, we watched this episode twice, mm-hmm. and the second time I watched it, I noticed the scene where Lydia and Todd are in the cafe, the nice cafe that has the right tea and the stevia and the yes. soy milk, and yes. the wait staff doesn't even blink when she says, I want those three things. Earl Grey with soy milk or whatever. Yeah, whatever, yeah. And stevia. Chamomile, chamomile with chamomile. soy milk and stevia, right. Um, Walter White the first time I watched it, he just appeared out of nowhere. All of a sudden, he was pulling up a chair and sitting with them. Yeah, I didn't see him coming. I didn't I, see him. I, oh, oh, wow, he's here. But watching it the second time, oh, wait, he's sitting right there on the edge of the scene. And then he walks right by behind them with his In hand over his face. Uh-huh. And if you know he's coming, you can see him very clearly in this whole episode. But, but if you don't, you're so not watching him because you're no. watching Lydia and Todd and seeing what they're going to do. He's an apparition. He just he's appears, an ap- and he just appears with Skyler too. Yeah. He's behind a a, a pole, mm-hmm. 
And all of a sudden they zoom in and he's there. How did he get past the police? You, there are no explanations for anything he does no. from the point of praying at the beginning of the episode. Yes. Just get me home and I'll take care of the rest. And the keys drop from the sky down into his lap. Yes. For the car. And the police are, he's made invisible to the police. And he somehow manages, somehow manages to, to get to the other side of the country. Get and, out of New Hampshire, down the tire tracks. The mm-hmm. the cops don't double back. Nobody questions his presence. He yep. stops for gas a few times, but that's he gets, it. He gets the stevia in. He gets the ricin in the stevia packet. He yeah. gets the uh, the gun money. The gun in the car. car. He gets the gun in the car. He gets the garage door opener in the car. And nobody, people he buys a new car. Down because he buys, a, he buys a car and a weapon from his yeah. dealer. Yeah. And there is a up with with Badger and Skinny Pete, and they don't turn him in. Right. You mean uh, Rosencrantz and Gilderstrand? <laughs> yeah. And and there there is a there is a quality that is a little bit a little bit. And mind you, anybody looking for a direct parallel between this and anything else is is doomed to fail. Yeah. But there's lots of elements that, as a writer, you notice probably came from someplace else. Here's a sensibility that I, I want to steal from here. Here's something I want to borrow from over there. Not that this is a show about theft or borrowing. It's a show about great writing. But there was a, a little bit of that sixth sense feel yeah. Yeah. about, you know, when when uh, when he sits down in the movie, uh, when Bruce Willis sits down with his wife and he talks to her and she's not listening. Yeah. And he can't figure out why she's not paying attention to him. Yeah. And you realize, again, spoiler alert, it's because he's dead. He's not really there for her. Yeah, he's a ghost, and oh, and yeah. there's a certain element of this apparition floating through this episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But people can see him. Well, and and <clears throat> Skylar gets a call from her sister saying he's in town. Everybody's seen him. Right. The police are outside my house. They're outside your house. They're they're he's going to come one of two places, two or three places, uh-huh. and the cops are going to get him, and no one's going to get to you, and then. And you see the camera, right changes, the, <laughs> the camera changes angle slightly. Yep, and, he's standing and there he is. Yep. Somehow he got in. Somehow he gets out. Somehow he stays around long enough to watch his son. Yeah. Sort of check that off his list. Um, yeah, there was a certain... talk about the 12 steps now? Because I think that's an important yeah. key to this. Well, there was, a, there, was a certain, there was an orderliness to the resolutions in this story mm-hmm. that I think was inevitable. Mm-hmm. Because everything else, all the other, uh, not all the other, but the story was characterized by this sort of ragged chaos that would fling you into the next episode and fling you into the episode after that. This, oh my holy God, he has gotten himself. Oh gracious me. Oh, he's trapped. Oh, this, that. And a resolution means you resolve things. So there can't be that sense of disorderliness and chaos because there's no next episode to tie up those loose ends. The whole, mm-hmm. um, Mark Twain says something about the whole process of writing is on the first page, I tell you a lie. Mm. Or tell you I'm going to tell you something. I can make you a promise. And then the, the second page, I keep that promise and make another. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. keep promising and delivering and promising and delivering until you run out of book. And that's what, at the last episode, you have to resolve it somehow because there's no future. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about Teenage Son and how that <laughs> intensely frustrates him. Yeah. But so it did lack elements of all the previous episodes because all the previous episodes had future episodes playing an uh, uh, invisible role. In driving it along, and there will be no future episodes. Therefore, you can't lean on coming next week on Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah. So, and and there's a, a real cleanliness to it that I think reflects the creator. 
Yes, I, but I, I guess I disagree with you on one aspect, and that is oh. watching Walt's confession a few episodes ago on the video yeah. where Hank and his wife are watching this confession. He yes. has tied every single thing that's happened to them yep. and made it so that they're guilty. They're trapped. Of, yeah, and they're He's absolutely trapped. trapped. Yep. That, to me, was my favorite episode yeah. because it took things you had never seen before uh-huh. and put them in a completely different perspective. And... There wasn't that in this episode. You didn't see things in a different... Well, I guess you did in a way, What? because Walter was finally coming, and this is where we get into the 12 steps. He was finally resolving issues that he had. Yes. Talk a, again, talk a little bit about that. The, yeah, the 12-step program of Walter White. The 12, is, yeah. It, it's, it's an odd 12-step program that involves <laughs> killing Nazis and... <laughs> And, and poisoning corporate goons, but... Um, and asking Jesse to kill him. And asking Jesse to kill him. Yeah. But the 12-step program, and, and we can talk a little bit about the broader ethical structure of the Breaking Bad universe, because I found that fascinating. Uh-huh. Really, truly just riveting, because there's stuff that, that uh, you know, you pull out of um, Milton's um, Paradise Lost, mm-hmm. and the stuff I, you pull out of um, um, uh, The Inferno. Uh, in Dante's Inferno, the, the the lowest circle of hell is where the betrayers of their lords and benefactors are frozen in ice forever. And where does Walter White end up? Betraying his benefactors and his family and all everyone who trusts him, frozen in ice forever. Except Vince Gilligan has said repeatedly, uh, made reference to it in the program, made reference to people being in it, to 12-step programs. And 12-step programs don't accept the fact that you are damned forever. But you have to do certain things to atone for what you've done. I, I don't think there's any way that Walter's going to redeem himself. He has mm-hmm. killed too many people. He's destroyed too many lives. But he can atone. Mm-hmm. In, in his final hour, using his last bit of strength, he can do what you're supposed to do in a 12-step program. And the last episode is, is quite literally, to my mind, as I'm watching, going, oh, he's going through a 12-step program. He's going mm-hmm. through every single step he's in a 12-step program. He's doing the steps. We can't do meth. We're doing the steps, man. And, yeah. And they reference, even, and even <laughs> that when, what Skinny Pete says? Yeah. Early on, like, no, we can't, man. We, you know, we're, we're, we're working the 12-step. I'm up to step four. <laughs> and, you know, there is an actual 12-step program that, that yeah. Jesse goes to to sell people meth. To sell people meth. <laughs> it, is, it is definitely woven into the plot, and nothing in that plot is there by accident. Right. Nothing. It's all very carefully placed there. And part of what was placed there, and even um, uh, Vince Gilligan being interviewed by Stephen Colbert, talking about how this program was my blue meth. Well, we'll get you into a 12-step program, Stephen. There's a real element not being forced on you, but that's a real thing in the plot over and over again, a real thing with Vince Gilligan over and over again. And so you see Walter, first he has to acknowledge that he's powerless before Heisenberg. Yep. Yep. And he can't control things anymore. He, he He's helpless. And, and before then, cancer. I mean, and before cancer. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the, that's a duality in this show, obviously, yeah. that his his what is killing him has to kill, yes. you know, the same same thing that that yin and yang. And he's really going to die. Yeah. It's not a joke. It's not something yep. he can postpone any longer. His destiny is knocking. He's probably, you know, nine tenths there. He has one last shot mm-hmm. and he has to first admit I don't control anything. I, I'm Heisenberg is my drug. That that rage and that sense of power and that sense of control and that sense of wealth, uh, because and Heisenberg is his devil. Is his is the thing that he's made a pact with that he has to now get out of. And like all pacts with the devil, Heisenberg delivered everything Heisenberg promised. 
Walter got fame. He got wealth. He got power. It's fame he can't claim. It's wealth he can't spend. You know, like every other pact with the devil, it comes with a curse. Yeah. You'll get everything you want. You'll get everything you want. You will be you will be worldwide known. You'll be famous. You'll be on the freaking Charlie Rose show. Mm-hmm. But it won't be for reasons that you will ever live with, and and you'll still lose your soul. So Walter White first admits he's powerless, and and second, he literally looks up to heaven and begs God for help. Mm-hmm. There's nobody else in the car. He's this frozen car. Please just get me home, and I'll do the rest. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> the keys to his salvation literally fall into his lap. Yep. That is not an accident. No. That is absolutely on purpose. And so you now were Walter, wondering what, if why no one went to church yes. <laughs> in Reagan Van. Right they there, actually nobody did prayed, in no, the end. Yeah. He, he really did. And, and yeah. you can be a rational recovery person and not believe in God, and that's perfectly fine. But there's a certain element of you have to admit that this thing controls you, and you have yep, to give up control. Yeah. And then you have to seek some other benevolent thing. You have to find another way to live your life that isn't this way. Yep. And in this case, it was, a, it was a plea to God. It was, please help me. Please help me. I need I need to make this right. Just get me home and I'll do the rest. Mm-hmm. And it drops into his lap. Then he makes his searching moral inventory. <laughs> yes, he you know, does. He yep. finally says, you know, when, when his wife, he, he meets with his wife and he's he's trying to explain to her why he did this, why he did it. And she just says, if you say you did it for this family one more fucking time, because mm-hmm. that's all he's ever said. I did it for the family. I did it for the family. It's all your fault. Basically, I did it for you. You don't appreciate me. He finally said, I did it for me. I liked it. I was good at it. And I was really, I was alive. This is what made him feel alive. This tepid, quiet, dying man. In Walter's universe, science governs everything. And it's a kind of a libertarian science because you earn what you get and you get what you earn. And a man's material wealth is an absolute signifier of your moral authority, your external value, your external wealth. It's what you've earned. It's what you've made. And Walter White finds himself dying in a starter home with a special needs son, with a family he can't care for. And the most horrible thing to a person who believes that my value as a person is how much money I can make mm-hmm. and yeah. how much, how many material things I can acquire, even if it's for my family. The worst thing you can be is a charity case. Mm-hmm. The worst thing yep. you can do is accept charity and pity. I mean that, and I know people like that who and would that's rather. That's why he hated the PayPal account that his son set up. He hated. He, he did not want the people from Gray Matter to spend hated. one dime of their own money. And he turned uh, down their offer to pay for his cancer treatment. Yeah. Because yeah. it's um, and because in that world, and this is something this is fairly political actually, but yeah. I know people like this who. Would, oh yeah. The whole idea of taking charity, taking the the, the you know admitting, uh, thanking people. Yeah. For, for giving you alms is just the most grotesque humiliation. So Walter White's about to die a humiliated as the worst thing he could imagine. A man who's failed his family who and who is a charity case, who's a loser. And so he decides he's going to reverse all that. And he goes about reversing it by applying his genius in a way that because he all throughout the, the show, he keeps asking the universe, this can't be for nothing. This yep. has to mean something. There must be meaning here. And what he never notices is he's building his own moral universe. Every yep. time he kills somebody, yep. he puts another brick in the wall. Every time he's constructing a moral universe around him. For Heisenberg. He, for Heisenberg. For Heisenberg. Yep. That he will eventually that where everything will make sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everything is perfectly logical inside of Heisenberg's universe. Yeah. And it's hell. That's the problem. And there is this uh, this wonderful quote. If you don't mind, I'm going to slip over real quick before I go back to that. 
from Milton. Yeah. Paradise Lost. You know, the, the part where the, the Lucifer says it's better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. That's Walter's absolute belief. It's better to be the boss than to be the servant. But before that, Lucifer says the mind is its own place and it's and in itself can make a heaven of hell or a hell of heaven. What matter where if I be still the same and what should I be all but less than he whom thunder hath made great? Here at last we shall be free. The Almighty didn't build this place. I built it. I will make hell into heaven by the sheer willpower of my genius. And that's what Walter tries to do for five yep. seasons. He tries to And what's build. what's fascinating to me is that he ends up in his heaven, which he is does. the which is the clean lab. He does. He that, finally gets that up to has produced the the pure product. Yes, 100%. and that's his, that's his heaven. He winds up in his, and it is hell because they make meth there. Yes, <laughs> but he but he constructs carefully. He never notices he's doing it because he's a he's a yeah. privileged white man with a good education, mm-hmm. and this shouldn't be happening to him. Right. It's not fair. The universe isn't fair. He did everything right. He did everything you're supposed to be, and he ends up working at a car wash for an immigrant. And you know that's just. That is not the American dream Walter White was promised as a boy. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly, since the universe doesn't make any sense anymore, since the rules clearly there are no rules, and the and Ken, the asshole in the in the car who loudly talked, remember Ken wins. Yes, Ken wins. Ken, <laughs> he discovers everything he's been taught as a boy is a scam. Yep. And Ken runs the fucking universe, not Walter. He runs White. the universe, and he gets the bonuses. Gets the and- women. Gets, gets the, the bonuses. Women. Yep. And gets and to talk a, loudly. He's a and, jerk. He's a dick. <laughs> and he gets to talk loudly and rudely in public to yeah. people and get away with it. He gets to do everything he wants and he gets paid for it. And that's just the worst, most insulting thing. And so since the universe has no meaning, Walter White is going to fucking well construct meaning out of it. Yeah. Pardon my language. Yep. I think uh, I've used up my, my F word for allocation this for this episode okay. because yeah. uh, uh, I believe Breaking Bad was allowed two per season. So. <laughs> But so Walter goes about constructing a, a completely artificial universe where he gets to be the boss, where he doesn't have to consort with with people like like uh, like junkies. That that's all far away. The, the the results of his disaster are partitioned from him. He gets to be the the sovereign in his own universe, and and he succeeds. And of course, he turns around, and the universe he has created is absolutely hell. And so the last episode, you find him in the lowest circle of hell, according to Dante, the the, the lake of ice. And he breaks free of that. He, he shouts out to God. And then he does his searching moral inventory, which is, it was me. It was always me. It wasn't you. Uh, you're right. Everything you thought about me was right. And then he goes back to make amends to all the people he's hurt. He tries to make amends with his son by making sure his money will get to him. He makes amends to his wife by saying, it was me. It was me. It was me. And then he goes to try to <laughs> kill off a bunch of And he of makes Nazis. amends to his daughter, too. I mean, yeah. I love that scene where he does. She the way... Skyler looks at Walt while he's caressing the sleeping baby uh-huh. is, oh, yeah, Walt is the man I married. Yeah. And this is the man I had this child with. And isn't she beautiful? One beautiful thing uh-huh. came out of this. And here it is. And he appreciates and loves her. And then he sets off on yeah. his his revenge. Yeah. Except it's not revenge. It really is justice. He's really out to um, and he pays off, you know. Badger and Skinny Pete. He gives yep. them money and, and sends them on their way and wishes them luck. And he does go down the list of trying to get right with everything he's done wrong. And the last thing he did wrong was he made the most evil people in the world rich and powerful. Yep. And so he said about taking away their wealth and power from them. And in the end, he didn't care about the money. No. You know, Happy Jack offered to tell him. 
Yep. And in the middle of that sentence, Walter shot Boom. Dead. dead. Boom. And then he really and, and then he freed Jesse. And and this was a fascinating exchange where Jesse, you know, you want to kill me, go ahead. And he said, No, I want you to ask me to kill you. And so he said, I'm asking. And he says, Do it yourself. Yep. And that's the only way that Jesse can be free. Right. Is he, to on his terms walk away. He let him live. He walked yep. away. He gave walked his away. life back. Yep, and was not a murderer in this case. Right. Yep, he chose won. not to murder. Well, he just killed Todd, so there is that. Well, he killed Todd. That but was who justice. Was, really? That was justice. That was yep. That was um. That was Bogart shooting um um. What's his name at the end of Casablanca? Yeah, yeah. You got to kill the Nazis you for God's sake. That's just yeah. a given. But after after literally wrestling their demons to the ground, yep. um, he sets Todd free. And uh, gives him gives him control of his life, gives him the chance to to avenge himself. And Todd can can now drive away, and he's going to go pick up um, Brock. You know he is. You think so? Yeah. 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 Because he's he's free now. You think he knows where the money is? Not that not that he should care in the in yeah. the universe that they built, but I wonder if he knows where the money is. Uh, I I don't know. I I, yeah. I don't think it it matters. No, I don't think it matters. Yeah, it, it's a it's a good question. It's it's one of those. Thank you, Vince Gilligan, for leaving that one on the table. <laughs> but part of this was um, a, a writer, a group of writers, carefully, um, and, and every step along the way was plausible. You know, it was Walter White. Walt, if Walter's genius, evil genius, could cook up wasting all of the witnesses in a two-minute window in prison mm-hmm. and um, killing Gus mm-hmm. and blowing up Tuco's room. And if, if he was capable of doing that, then his genius at last turns to what, what resembles good in this broken universe is poisoning the monster, killing the Nazis, and letting Todd, uh, let, and letting Jesse go, turning mm-hmm. Jesse loose, and getting the money into it at the hands of his son. And all of those were, you know, they were stretching it a bit. I mean, I, I don't know that you could ever um, actually uh, park a car just right <laughs> and put a garage door opener in just the right Yeah, way. yeah. To, Kill everybody to shoot all the right of the way. Nazis, yes. But at that point, you're, you know, Walter... But that just, point of this episode is that everything does work out. I mean, how did he get... You're not to ask these questions. How did he get the ricin in the stevia without right. her knowing? And reseal it. I, and reseal You don't... That's not anything that Vince Gilligan cares about when he's making this show. Exactly. That's not... Uh, and the speaking point is, of Vince yeah. Gilligan, I want to, we're we're running out of time here. I'm sorry to sure. cut you off, but I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, you had to talk with our teenager, yes, our son, ah. who wants he doesn't understand why Breaking Bad had to end. Everybody loves it. Son, why did it have to the, end? Let's, let's sit down and talk about the birds and the bees and novels. <laughs> How life ends sometimes. And, and re- but it was really interesting to talk to him because he didn't he didn't understand why anybody would end something because he has grown up in a media universe where Star Trek never ends. Yeah. And where video games, there's always a sequel. Video games never end. Mm -hmm. There's always an upgrade. There's always a new version. Um, And stories just go on and on and on and on and on. And that's fine for Mm merry-go-rounds. That's great. But at some point, hopefully, and this is something, a bit of the dumbing down of our culture, you want a, a form of entertainment, a novel, a tragedy, a, a, a play, a movie, a poem, that reflects life, mm-hmm. that it starts and it has tension and it has drama and then it's over. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes novels and plays great is that they have a, a distinct middle, beginning, middle and end. And just getting that point across to a teenager 
yeah. was really hard because it just was unfathomable to him. Why anybody – but everybody loves this. It's great. It's a wonderful series. Why wouldn't you keep doing that? And the answer yeah. is because Vince Gilligan's a novelist. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and then I liked how you also explained to him about Hamlet and Romeo and Juliet and so forth, that everybody knows how Hamlet ends. Everybody yeah. knows that it's totally unfair and totally accidental the way that all of the crossed signals wind up making Romeo and Juliet both die at the end of that play. Exactly. And how ironic and sad it is that these two young people who all they wanted to do was be together they die Mm -hmm. and everybody knows how that ends and they go and see it again anyway and they go enjoy it anyway and not that we're going to have a lot of live stage production you know that's what they'll do right they'll do spam a lot the spam a lot version of breaking bad will be the musical it's already i'm sure it's already (laughs) in the works breaking bad Uh the musical yeah I'm sure the guys, heard it here Park, first, people. the guys from South Park are working on it now. You heard it here first. Yeah. I just want to trademark that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, the idea that this is artwork and, and therefore it closes. And as artwork, and that finally to talk about the uh, in- increase and in changes in technology yeah. that have happened yeah. with DVDs, with director's uh, commentary and Artists' commentary and actors' commentary, yeah, and how show, much programs where they interview the writer. And and we, you and I talked about the the fifties and sixties when really the only two auteurs on television, yeah, were uh, Alfred Hitchcock, who you know obviously had a history with viewers from with his movie, movie yeah. career. He, he put himself in his own movies, so everybody knew who. So Hitchcock everybody was. knew who he was. Uh huh. And then uh, Rod Serling. Rod Serling, yeah. And yeah. those are the two people who were. Out in front of their work to sort of say, here I am as the creator of this. And we've seen so much of Vince Gilligan in the past three weeks. Yes. And the actors. And how long did it take to to make this scene? And the writing staff. Explain. And and the writing staff. How? Explain to me how it felt to kill Todd. You know, you're asking Uh uh, the actor who plays Jesse, you know, how did it feel? Aaron Paul, how did it feel? And he's, oh, it felt so good. (laughs) (laughs) But it took all day. It took all day to shoot that. And they were wrestling and getting shots and, and so on. And so you get a lot of process. You do. And I've been thinking about that in terms of knitting. <laughs> of all of things. course. Yeah. Because I'm a knitter. And, you know, when, when I make a pattern that belongs to someone else, I'll make I'll take a picture of it for my website uh, on Ravelry about, uh, you know, one picture. I finished this pattern. But if I'm designing a piece, I'm taking 40 pictures of it. So you see the sleeve cap, you see the cuffs, you see the yarn, you see you take a picture of the yarn before you start designing because yeah. that's the palette that you're yeah. using. And when it's a work of art and when it's someone that has, a group of people that have created this, it becomes really important to examine the process of it. Uh-huh. And I've been fascinated at how much process has been put forward on this show Uh I think this is the start of a trend that's just so. going to keep going on. I really do. Because writers so. are really interesting to us. Yeah. That's why you well, also, yeah. If, if this this show and a few others like it. Again, this is a television show, but it it, it there's nothing about this show that you know it need not feel shame, ashamed when walking around with novels. Yeah. It's every bit as complicated. Every bit as interesting. Every bit as as satisfying and frustrating as any great novel you've ever read. It also celebrates the writer. And for a long time, uh, 
uh, one of my favorite writers, as, as people probably know, is Harlan Ellison. Mm-hmm. And one of Harlan Ellison's beef beefs was always that the the lowest person in Hollywood was the writer, yep. the the most disrespected, the most outcast. You know, did you hear about the actress who was so stupid she slept with the writer? <laughs> um, and and just and and his stories are being told to basically to steal material. You know, being walked into a guy's office and being handed a whole bunch of magazines. Just pick whatever you want, and we'll just take it. And him getting up on his hind legs and saying, "You can't just steal people's stuff. This is somebody wrote this." Uh, going to classroom lectures and trying to explain to students that he wrote the book they're holding. And he doesn't mean the cover. All the words in it were written by him, imagined and put down on paper by him. And just conveying to people who enjoy entertainment that somebody built this. And that person should probably be paid. And there should probably be more of them. And you as the audience should probably demand more quality. You should probably not be satisfied with crap on television all the time. You should probably insist by your turning the dial and by and by rewarding excellence and eschewing crap that no honey boo boo is not good enough <laughs> i'm going to insist that instead of a camera and a crew focusing on hillbillies or people who are fighting each other that you poke with sticks i'm actually going to insist on dramatic and having 10 and a half million viewers for the last episode oh of this yeah yeah is as a personally, as a writer who would love to help, would love to be in the writer's room. Mm-hmm. I'd love to contribute to something like this. But just as a fan, making people aware of the fact that there's a group of writers behind this and they really do yeah. think this th- shit through. They really do sweat over it. They spend weeks and weeks and weeks. And they have problems to solve that they do solve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're, cre- they're not, they're creators, but they're also craftspeople. They have a certain amount of time. Just like you build a wall, you have a certain amount of materials and distance you have to cover. And you and here's brick number one, here's brick number two. And they build it like a wall, like a structure, like a house. And it's either good or bad or it falls down or it doesn't. But if you step back and look at that structure and go, holy crap, that's a really that's a wonderful piece of work. Somebody went through and measured every angle and and thought through every nail and every rivet and every inch of concrete that was poured was done by somebody. And this finally sort of opens that up to the people who are doing it and lets you hear about how they think and makes it, and this is really important, attractive. And now it's over. And yeah. our podcast is over too, Drift Glass. Yes. We're out of time. Fare thee well. Glad you've enjoyed it. And we'll be back to do Walking Dead. Maybe. <laughs> Bye. Bye.